0: This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. Good day today, right? Man, it's good to see faces, brand new faces, faces that I haven't met before, new ones that are coming in, uh, new ones that I'm meeting, uh, old ones that I haven't seen for a bit. It's good to see you. God is good, right? It's fun to be in the house of God. Ron and I and Sassers were on vacation last week, and we had an amazing time in trailers stuck in the rain. But it was fun, 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 fun. We played games, laughed, and uh, ate way too much food. But hey, isn't, isn't life about food, right? I think, I think the Bible says that, that people think that it's about a meat and drink, and it really is not. But hey, so your pastor's deceived at times. Uh, just real quick, great announcements, long segment of announcement that were there, but they're very, very important. And thank you for being a body that listens, and not only listens, you understand, and then hopefully the response... Is it is there, and so we just call you to response. There's a lot of things to respond to. Uh, Outflow is right around the corner, and that is the heartbeat of relevant life church, but it 's not just the heartbeat of relevant life church. Can I tell you it 's the heartbeat of God? that we go outside of these four walls and we do something. So this is our opportunity to practice, to actually live out and to respond to the call of God on our lives and to go, no, we're going to be God's hands and feet, not just, in the, not just in this building to minister to one another, but to actually go out into our community and to minister to needs. And if you are wanting to sign up for one of those, you go to our RLC app and you're going to find that in one of those categories. Is that correct, Ellie? And you're going to find that there. So would you make sure that you go on and sign up for one of those work projects on that Sunday? It's in replacement of our Sunday service. If you're new to us, uh, we sacrifice that Sunday service unto God and say our worship is going to be in the streets. Our service is going to be in the streets. Uh, we're going to go minister to the needs of God, uh, of people. And this is not what ministry is about. So rather than here and having our nice little songs and, and a sermon, we're going to go preach our sermon with our lives. And each of you are going to do so. And so we need you to participate in that. Again, Pastor Sasser did an amazing job in sharing about our HVAC need. I love the fact, I love the concept that we are one church, but multiple locations. And you go, well, why do I care about South Campus? I never go to South Campus. The reason is, is because we're one church. We're one church. We have one heartbeat. We have one mission statement. And we're we're reaching... the outposts of Salem, and we need your participation, whether it's at this campus or the other campus, and so uh, we're glad that you're here. Relationship 101, we're right in the middle of a series, coming towards the end of a series, and Pastor Larry did an amazing job last week on Friends. He's watching us online. Would you give him a round of applause? He did a good job. Larry, thank you so much for serving, and uh, what, what what an amazing concept, this concept that was not designed by man, it was designed by God, and it's called Friendship. How many are thankful for friendships? You know, what a powerful, powerful series. And today I get the privilege of stepping a little bit further into the message series that we've been in. Uh, the series premise that we've been looking at in Relationship One-on-One is every other healthy relationship flows out of your right and healthy relationship with God. Every other healthy. Everyone say healthy. Isn't that the goal of our relationships for them to be healthy? How many have discovered, how many can be honest enough, maybe you be too shy, but how many can be honest enough to say that throughout this series, you've realized some areas of your life in relationship that have not been healthy? Can I I tell you that that's what's important, is that we can step in to go, no, I realize I have brokenness. I realize I have health. The reason is, is somehow, some way, God wants to draw us into a deeper relationship with Him. When our relationship with God is healthy and more substantial, then those were, that's going to flow out into all of our relationships. And so, that's, that's been this tension that we have realized or are uh, feeling. How many know that relationships are all about this word called stewardship? Every relationship, your relationship with God, your relationship with yourself, your relationship with, in a dating relationship, your relationship in a marriage, your relationship in friendship, and today we're going to be talking about parenting. Your relationship as a parent, they're all about this concept of stewarding life, stewarding well, and this word stewardship is careful and responsible. Everyone say careful. careful. Everyone say responsible. responsible. This, and then Management managing that, self-managing those areas. Are my stewarding relationships correctly? That's where we get this place of health. Uh, Today, as we step into uh, this concept of parenting, uh, the title of my message, I got to go back up here, uh, Aim Your Arrows Intentionally. Aim your arrows intentionally, and if you're familiar with God's Word, you know where I'm going. If you're not, just hold on and you'll listen. You'll find out where we're going. But aim your arrows intentionally. How are we parenting our children? How are we relating to them? Where does that responsibility fall on us? And before we start, I found an amazing uh, parenting song that I would love to share with you this morning, and uh, maybe we'll be able to join them in singing it in just a moment, but uh, would you help us out with that video? This is a song about being a parent. Ah! Can you sing that with me this morning? Everyone, one, two, three. Ah! How many have ever felt that way as a parent? Yes. Right? We can understand the privilege and the honor, uh, but there's also this tension that's there. It's, ah! God, I don't know what I'm doing. God, I don't understand. Why did I do these things? Parenting today, when we talk about parenting, whether you are a, a parent that has given birth to a child, whether you are an adoptive parent, whether you are a want-to-be parent, whether you are a parent that has been adopted by somebody else, today we're talking about the concept of a parent, of, a, of someone who loves a child, And I'm going to focus primarily on those of you that have children in your home between the ages of zero to 16, 18. So as you hear this sermon today, uh, it's going to apply primarily to them. But how many of you in this room are grandparents? How many of you in this room are aunts and uncles? How many of you in this room just know someone that has kids and you have influence with those kids? So can I tell you today that this message primarily is to moms and dads? To parents, but it's also to you because you have influence in kids' lives. If you're a Sunday school teacher here, if you're a youth worker here, in any way, shape, or form, you have a responsibility, in how this walks out in your life. What I realized in about, about being a parent is, and observing and endeavoring is that parenting does not come with a guarantee. Right? How many have discovered that? That whether it's been the parent that you were dealt with or the parent that you are, or the parent you've observed, and we can all come with our judgments, and we can all come with our expectations, and we can all come with our, our thoughts. Anybody ever judge a parent? Anybody ever judge yourself as a parent? Can I tell you today that we don't come with a guarantee? Even though we don't come with a guarantee, that does not give us a pass. Do you hear me? So today, as I preach, today is not a message please hear me, this today is not a message about condemnation. Romans chapter 8 says this, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The reality is, as we came and we just sang the song of, oh God, my God, God, I need you now. How many in parenting realize, oh God, my God, I need you now? (laughs) Ah! (laughs) Right? And there's the joys and there's the happiness but there's a desperate realization that even though you stepped into parenting and you thought you had all the answers, how many ever stepped into parenting and think you, were, you had all the answers? And now all of a sudden you realize going, I don't have any answers. There's no guarantee. There's no guarantee. And the amazing thing about God is that he gives us grace, new mercies every single day of our lives. As I stand here this morning, I don't come with a confidence that Rhonda and I have done everything right. We've made a lot of mistakes. But can I tell you also in humility, not in pride, we've also done a lot of right things. And can I tell you as you look at yourself as a parent, for you to honestly self-assess to go, I may not have done everything right, but I haven't done everything wrong. And can I tell you today that the enemy would love to come and bring condemnation to go, you are a failure and you need to come back and go, no, I didn't do everything wrong. There is a place in our lives that each of us, as we look at our children, we go, we, sometimes we can take too much responsibility for our kids, realizing that your kids are going to make choices on their own because they're individual human beings, and you're not responsible for all of those things. But our responsibility as parents, our responsibility that Ron and I have felt great, strong conviction for is the fact that we have children that have been given to us, and our responsibility is to wholeheartedly steward them. Now, that idea of stewardship is going to change through the age groups. That concept of stewardship is going to look a little bit different for you than it is for me, and today I want to come, and we want to dialogue what it is, what I feel God's Word tells us about how we are to steward our children. If you're a grandparent today, how you can help steward your grandchildren. If you're an aunt or an uncle, how you can help steward your niece and nephew. If you are a Sunday school teacher or a youth worker how you can help steward the validity of every young person that's in our community okay children are a treasure from the lord meaning that they're precious that they're valuable they are also an awesome responsibility they are not a short term short term they're not on short term loan they are on long term investment everyone say long term investment if you are parenting for the immediate you're gonna be extremely discouraged. If you're parenting for the immediate response and you're looking for this thing that is there, you're gonna be very discouraged. Children are a long term investment. Is that not true? You know, I think of today, I was talking with someone yesterday at our men's breakfast. Great event. If you, didn't, if you missed it, make sure you sign up next time when we have another one. I'm uh, talking with someone, and they're, they're, have a, they're in retirement, and they've invested their money in a particular location, and uh, they're realizing that as the market closed on Friday, there was a huge drop in some of the investments that they have invested. How many have discovered that the investments are a little bit rocky, and they've impacted you? And he's realizing that he's lost a significant amount of money. But he realizes investments are a long-term game, not a short-term game. He could step in and react really quickly. Isn't that how we do sometimes as parents? Let's react rather than respond. Realize that the immediate is not the answer. The long-term is the answer. Abraham Lincoln says this, a child is a person who is going to carry on what you Have started. He is going to sit where you are sitting. When you are gone, he's going to attend to the things which you think are important. You may adopt all the policies that you please, but how they are carried out depends on them. They will assume control of your cities, states, and nations. They are going to move in and take over your churches, schools, and corporations. The face of humanity is in their hands. I want you to realize today that whatever generation you are in following Christ, whatever generation we are from the beginning of creation, can I tell you that that has been the process of life? That a parent raises their child and imports importance on their lives and it passes on to the next generation. And can I tell you that's a healthy process if we are doing it healthily. It's a healthy process if we're doing it to honor God and to honor our children. You today have the power. You today in this room as parents, grandparents, you today have the power and the calling of God to impact not just your children, but your children's children and your children's children's children. Do you realize today the shape that we have in our, or the shaping ability that we have in our lives as parents? I oftentimes compare the concept of parenting to a structure, to a building. In our building, you have an owner and an architect and an engineer. The owner, the architect, engineer is the one who envisions what the building is to look like. Back in 1980, whatever, or 1978, I think, this church at that moment was not an Assembly of God church. I don't even really know what the name of it was back then, but there was an architect, an owner that came in and said, this is the structure that I want this building to look like we're paying the bills, we have an architect, we have an engineer that's going to do all that sort of stuff, and that's what it's going to look like. And they, our normal business today, would come in and go, I'm going to hire a contractor to put together this building the way that I want it to be put together. I'm financing it, I have a plan, I want it to look like this. And that contractor comes in and says, okay, this is the quality of workmanship that they want, this is the deadline that they want, this is what they want it to look like. And in the process of that, that contractor may not have all the abilities on his own, and so he hires subcontractors. He brings them in. Some are going to do the framing, and some are going to do the electrical, and some are going to do the plumbing. Some are going to do the HVAC. All of these things so that the building, when it's done, is built to specifications of what the owner architect has laid out. Today, when I talk about this concept, the owner architect of your child's life is not you. It's not you. Whether you gave birth to that child, whether you have invested money in that child, whether you've laid down your life for that child, that owner architect is not you. That owner architect is God Himself. God Himself who said, no, this is the color of eyes that they are going to have. This is the likes and dislikes that they're going to have. This is the body that they're going to have. This is the shape that I'm going to create them. These are the interests. These are the the uniqueness about this individual. And can I tell you, as we are given children, as God gives us children, we become the contractor to go, God, we've got to discover what your purpose and your plan for this child is. And how do I bring it to completion? this responsibility that you're putting on me, how do I structure them? Am I, am, I, am, I, am I building according to your plan? And how many realize as parents today that you can't do it all alone? We may not like the concept of that children are raised in a village, but can I tell you, children are raised in a village. You need subcontractors. But can I tell you this, those subcontractors are gonna be your teachers, they're gonna be your coaches, they're gonna be your mentors, they're gonna be your child's employer. And many times what happens in our lives as parents that I've discovered as I've watched parenting, I've discovered that we go, well, I'm the contractor, the subcontractor, that's their problem, my hands are off. Can I tell you as a parent, as the contractor, you are responsible to make sure you're putting them under the sound and under the influence of the right subcontractor. You are responsible. We send them off to school and you go, I get a break. No parent, you're responsible to go, what is my child learning? How are they learning? I want my kid to be in basketball. Well, what is the coach, that's, what is the coach teaching them? It's not just a vacation for you. It's not just an instant opportunity to have a break. You are a contractor. The stewardship and responsibility lays upon you. You say, Pastor Kevin, this is heavy. Can I tell you, the role of a parent is very, very heavy. I don't know where you came from today. I, well, obviously, you came from a mom and a dad. I don't even know today if you have a philosophy on parenting, but can I tell you, God's Word gives us a philosophy on parenting. And you may be here today and go, well, oops, that was fun. Oh, I'm pregnant. Or, oh, I'm obeying God's command to procreate, to populate the world. But we don't put the two together to go, no, there is a severe responsibility when I bring a child into the world. There is a responsibility that I have to carry, that I have to nurture, that I have to make sure I'm standing before God to honor Him. Psalms chapter 127 says this, children are a gift from the Lord. Everyone say they're a gift. I know throughout parenthood, sometimes they don't feel like a gift, right? Sometimes they feel like a burden. Sometimes they feel like a chore. Sometimes we're tired and we're exhausted. But you know what? God says that they're a gift. And I want to challenge maybe that's someone here today that they just need to hear my child is a gift from God. Your strong willed child that's going to rattle this world is a gift from God. Your job is to shape their strong will. They're a gift from God. It says they are a reward from Him. So as you look at your children to go, thank you, God, for this reward. It goes on it says children are born born to a young man born young woman to a family are like arrows in a warrior's hand and in a warrior's hand how joyful is a man whose quiver is full of them Today when we talk about this concept of an arrow and shooting an arrow and aiming an arrow the importance of an arrow when I can tell you today that the concept of an arrow means totally different to us than it did to them in Psalms 127 Today, you and I can go down to Sportsman or Cabela's or Order Online and go get the right kind of arrow that we need for the right kind of bow that we're going to shoot. We don't have to worry about the, 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 the feathers. I forgot the, what is it? The fletching. And we don't, have to lo- we don't have to worry about all that. We don't have to go, oh, we gotta go carve out our little, uh, our tip and all that sort of stuff. Is it gonna be, is it gonna be effective? We don't have to make that, find out if it's balanced or not. We don't have to find out, is it straight? Jane was worried. He was Kevin. What are you going to, Pastor Kevin? What are you doing with this? I said, I'm going to throw it at you if you don't if you don't behave. (laughs) Sasa was smart enough when he brought me an arrow this morning not to bring a hunting tip because I would have cut myself. (laughs) I don't know how to handle. No. One twenty-seven, Psalms one twenty-seven, Hebrews, in the Hebrew uh, concept of time, a warrior would go out and hunt for the right form of a stick to shape the stick. So when they're talking about it, it's an arrow in the hand of a warrior, there's a lot of meaning that goes to that. They're going to have to go is that is that stick straight? Is it going to fly straight when I shoot it? Is it the right diameter? Is it the right strength? Is it the right right length? The fletching, I got to go find fletching. I got to go find a bird or feathers or something that's going to help balance the shooting of that arrow that it's going to be streamlined. I got to go make sure that the tip that I have is important and structured correctly, that it's going to accomplish what I send it to do. Today, you and I as parents, we can hear this concept. And we go, oh, they're an arrow. Let's go have more children because it says to have more quiver, more fun. But we don't realize the duty of the arrow. We don't realize the importance and the shaping and the structure and the pressure that goes beyond, behind the arrow. You and I as parents, we go, oh, that's an arrow. It's a little bit crooked, it's a little bit off. Well, let's see. Can I, even hit the, can I even hit the barn with it? Let's just shoot the arrow. Now, if you are a bow hunter, you know that it's important that you have the right arrow for the right bow, that you have the right length of arrow for your draw length, that you have the right uh, uh, strength of arrow for the power of your bow, that you have the right tip to accomplish the end goal. That is the same as parenting today. It is an art in hunting. It is an art in, in wanting to shoot an arrow. Can I tell you there is an art to being a parent And it may not be an art that you are entitled with or that you automatically know. It's an art that you have to be committed to learn. How many are still learning? How do we send these arrows well? God gives us a philosophy in Ephesians chapter six. Ephesians chapter six, verse four. He says, fathers, and I'm gonna make it parents because that's really what the Hebrew or the Greek, language was meaning. He was speaking specifically to a father, but he's going, parents, parents, don't provoke your children to anger. We can go off that angle, and I'm not going to take a lot of time there, but don't provoke your children to anger. You know what's going to, you know what's going to disrupt their world. Your purpose of correction is not just to bring agitation in their life. Your purpose in correction is to make sure you're aiming them right. It goes on, the the philosophy here says, but instead, raise them up. Everyone say, raise them up. Raise them up in discipline and instruction. One translation says, in nurture and instruction. And automatically, we come to this place and we go, well, what does that mean? Well, I can tell you right here and now from this passage of Scripture, what I can understand and I can see is that Paul is saying there is a proper way to raise your children and there is an improper way to raise your children. You're called to raise them up. It is your job. And if you want to do it correctly, the philosophy of God is that you do it with discipline, teaching, and instruction. When Paul wrote this passage of Scripture to the church of Ephesus, he's writing it to a Greek culture, not to a Jewish culture that valued life, not to a Jewish culture that valued children, not to a Jewish culture that even had the heritage to realize that children were a gift from God. He's writing it to a Greek culture that devalued humanity. He's writing this to a church of people that are filled with men and women that don't understand how to be a parent. And fathers are coming in and being harsh. Parents are being harsh. They're not bringing structure and clarity. And what he's correlating here is this, the very Greek culture, the Greek culture is that Greek parents that did not want their child would abandon their child on the streets in the cold and in hunger, devalued. And it really came down to if the father looked at the child and valued the child, whether it was a boy or whether it was a girl, whether it was what they thought it should be if he picked that child up that child was accepted by the family and the mother would they would raise that child if the mother if the father would come in and look at the child and walk away they'd put the child on the street paul is coming and speaking to a culture and oftentimes people would come by and they'd feel compassion and it was people that would the people that were compassionate were those people that were slave drivers and they would go i'm going to pick up this child and i'm going to make this child a slave I'm going to make this child a prostitute. But you know, the early church that was so amazing of the early church is that Christians would begin to walk the streets and they'd begin to pick up these children and they'd begin to raise them in the instruction and nurturing and loving God. Can I tell you today, do we see a culture that is much like this? We may not be leaving our children on the street, but are we abandoning them? And our job today, that we should feel this weight and this gravity. Paul, when he's writing here, he's realizing that in the Greek language, it was a holistic language. He says that when you are raising up your child in the discipline, in this instruction, and in the teaching, that you're thinking of them body, soul, spirit, and their mind. Today, many times we realize that when we're raising a child, we're going, Oh, I gotta have my child be the smartest kid. I gotta make sure that their mind is. They gotta be the best at basketball. Can I tell you today, when Paul is talking about raising your child up, he's talking about a holistic perspective to go body, soul, spirit, mind. What a task. What a responsibility. What an honor. As a parent, you've been given a target and a direction for your child. The world hasn't given you that target. It's trying to sway that target. It's trying to influence that target. It's trying to say your kid has to be the best at. He's got to be the most talented. He's got to look like this. But church, you need to hear me today. The standard and the philosophy that we've been given to by God cannot be swayed. It's a holistic perspective. And you as a parent, whether you feel overwhelmed, whether it feels daunting, can I tell you today, God would not call you to be a parent for you to fail. You say, well, God didn't call me. It was an accident. There are no accidents in God's kingdom. Absolutely zero accidents. And you may come back and go, no, it was an accident. Can I tell you, God's really good at redeeming accidents. We can oftentimes compare accidents to sin of missing the mark. What did Jesus come to do to make the mark accessible? And today our need as we come is to go, God, I'm missing the mark. He's going, it's about time you said something because now I can help you. As parents, we are quicker to ask God to change our children than to, to ask him to change us. In our culture today, well, raised when I was raised, kids were to be seen and not heard. Sometimes I still think that could be a little important principle. <laughs> Not out of devaluing, but out of showing respect. So don't hear that as a mockery of, that's, there's a standard that's true that's there. But can I tell you, rather than coming and going, dear God, change my child. Have you ever come and say, dear God, change me as a parent. Change me. God, help me. God, I'm broken. Is we're so easy to see the brokenness of our kids, but can I tell you, their brokenness is a reflection of your brokenness. And for you to fix that, you have to come back and go, God, fix me. God, heal me. So how do we do this? If the goal of every parent is to raise children to be godly, responsible adults, in the center of God's will, how do we do this? What are, what are some things that we can do? And I have, I have four simple, simple points that I wanna give you today. Not all inclusive, uh, there are so much more. You know, it's like I'm sitting here thinking, how can I preach for 30 minutes when I've been a parent for 30 years? Right? It's a topic that is a bottomless pit that you can just go, no, there's just so much. And so I wanna try and give you four principles today that hopefully will help you. Number one, relationship over rules. Everyone say it, relationship over rules. When I talk about relationship, the way in which two or more people regard and behave toward each other. Only you can come as a parent and only you can come as a child to go, how am I relating in my home? How am I I behaving towards my children? The other option, our relationship over rules, is rules are a set of explicit or understood regulations. Anybody in this room like regulations? Anybody in this room feel trapped by a regulation? Can I tell you that many times we come into our homes and we come as a parent, and I'm speaking from experience, someone who is a deep personality and someone who expects a standard that I can come in and I can expect the regulation and the rule and it overshadows the relationship. And today when I'm talking about this concept, something that Rhonda and I have both learned, we didn't do this right all the time, but relationship always rules over rules. Relationship always wins over rules. What drives your relationship? Both relationship and rules are very important. But each of them will have a different outcome. Relationships, see, see, relationships seek to say or shape, and rules seek to control. As you evaluate your relationship with your child, evaluate your relationship with your children that are past. Did you seek to shape them? Or are you seeking to control them? Your job, called by God, was not to control your children. Your job, called by God, was to shape your children was to shape them into the right arrow, that they would fly the right distance, that they would hit the target that God is declaring for their life. Instead, because we're out of our comfort zone when we have children, we're out of our, our element and we're going, dear God, I don't know what to do. So let's, our natural human response is let's control what we can control. Let's control our environment. Let's put the boundaries. Let's put our, 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 our barriers that are there. And God says, the way you're going to win is through relationship. Can I tell you, when we look at God's Word, God being the perfect parent in our lives, right? Right. Is God an abusive parent to us? No, God loves us. God gave us rules. God gave us this thing called Ten Commandments. God gives us these things, instructions. But He doesn't browbeat us with all of His rules. He comes and says, I loved you so much, I gave you my son. Can you not see the difference? We in our humanity try to control. God's not trying to control. He's saying, I gave you a free will. I want you to choose. And I'm going to love you so much that you're going to want to choose the right thing. How do we love our children? Just going to give you some practical points, some that maybe off off the scale don't even know. Can I tell you, you need to tell your children. Words are important. Everyone say words. How many in this room are victims of words that have created death in your life? How many are in this room have been guilty of being the person that have created death in someone else? Can I tell you words have the power of life or they have the power of death? Words. Tell your children that you love them. Give them words of, I'm proud of you for... Love is unconditional. love is all-inclusive. Do your, do your kids know that you love them for who they are and because they're your child, or do you love them because of what they do and how they behave? I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life I've been distorted in my relationship to God to go, "God, I misbehave, so therefore you don't love me." Have you ever felt that before? So I have to labor harder to get God's love. Can I tell you today, God loves me no matter what I do. I'm not going to go kill anybody, but can I tell you, I can go kill someone and God's still going to love me. I'm going to suffer the consequences of sin, but that doesn't mean that God doesn't love me. And today when we, our children feel, well, no, they only love me if I behave right. No, they need to know that you love them regardless of. Listen to your children. The purpose of listening is not just to hear. The purpose of listening is to understand. Do you understand your child? Do you know your child? Sometimes do you know your child better than they know themselves? Can I, how many have discovered that sometimes when you're raising your children, they're blah, and they don't even have a clue of what they're doing. They don't know what's going on. Parent, that's our responsibility to go, I need to shape. I need to prepare. I need to instruct. I need to pull down the emotion. I need to let them feel what they're feeling, but I need to direct them. You need to show your children. How you show your children love is time. In our culture that is so busy today and that both parents are working, please do not hear condemnation. We had both parents working in our home. But we had to be purposeful to go, how do we give time to our children? Give time to your children. Date your children. I dated my daughter this week, and she's 30 years old. Can I tell you, there's dating. It's important. I date my son. It's important to spend time with. Give them your full attention. When they're talking to you, listen to them. Don't be distracted of going, oh, yeah, honey, that's great. Uh Uh This is the worst enemy in our homes, in our families. Be involved in their interests. Don't try to live your dreams to them. Don't try to force something on them that you wish that you would have had. Find interest in their interests, and they can be the total opposite of you physical affection is another very important thing you go i'm not a hugger my kids doesn't want to be hugged can i tell you everyone wants to be hugged everyone wants to be hugged physical affection is important affirm your children find your kids doing right not doing wrong if you're constantly doing this in your home you need to step back and you need to observe to go what are they doing right Okay, this is rules over relationship. Guilty. Another way you love your child and parents, mothers, fathers, husbands, wives, is you need to love your spouse foremost. If Rhonda and I were to come back and go, we had one major blemish, we loved each other, but I can tell you sometimes our kids took precedence over each other. And we're able to come back now and go, no, that was something that we've rectified, that we've fixed But it was a challenge, it was a tension. Point number two, I'm gonna go quickly. Boundaries over barriers. If our goal is to release our children at the target, we have to know the target first ourselves, and then we have to aim them at that target with boundaries, and we also have to specify the target to them. Can I tell you that many times we're trying to bring in these boundaries and not telling them why? Because I'm the parent, because dad said so. No, we need to tell them why we're shooting them that way. We need to bring them to the place of going, no, these boundaries are here because of this. Many times we like this idea of barriers. Boundaries are those lines that mark the limits and barriers prevent movement. Do we really want to prevent movement in our children's lives or do we want to promote the right direction of life, of how they are to live? Boundaries guide and barriers in prison. Boundaries begin with communication. Communicate, communicate, communicate. Communicate not ranting, not browbeating. I can tell you probably one of the worst things I picked up as a parent or a child from a parent and began to do was this ranting. Let's just (laughs) rail at home. No, that's not communication. What you expect, you inspect the boundaries. You set a boundary, you communicate the boundary, you hold them to a standard of boundaries so that the, when you're shooting the arrow, it's staying within, within the area, the targets, the, the, the target goal. Setting healthy moral boundaries, boundaries adjust as the age group adjusts. Can I tell you, as a, when you have a, 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 to, a baby and a toddler, you're going to put a fence around them. When you have a teenager, you're going to put guardrails around them, Right? There's, it's going to change when, when they're, when your children are adults, you draw attention to the road signs. They're all there. You've got to have the structure, these boundaries or these barriers. Proverbs 20, Proverbs 13 says this, he, he who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him. Proverbs twenty two fifteen: folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it out, drive it far from him. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 9 says this, Moreover, we, all, we have all had human fathers and disciplined, who disciplined us and we respected them for it. And it goes on further. It says, But God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in His holiness. Oftentimes when we come to this understanding of discipline, immediately we go to a negative. Can I tell you the very root of discipline is disciple? The very root of discipline is Disciple. So we get caught up on the rod, we get caught up on the discipline, we get caught up on the, the physical act of, and I'm not going to be here, I'm not here to preach to you of what you should do and what you shouldn't do. I can give you the Oregon code of law of what we can do. And actually what the, if you want to pop that up there real quick before I even get on it further, talk about physical force, it says it's a, may use reasonable physical force necessary to maintain discipline or to promote welfare. I'm not here to say spank or not spank. I'm here to say, use a discipline in your children's life. And the idea of discipline is to disciple them, to form them, to shape them, to direct them. That there is a consequence in life. There's a consequence for behavior. You're asking today, so when do you discipline? If you've communicated and are going to communicate, if your child is lying, there needs to be a Discipline. If your child is disobedient, there needs to be a discipline. If your child is defiant, there needs to be discipline. If there's disrespect, there needs to be discipline. If it's open sin of rebellion, there needs to be discipline. If it's bad attitudes, there needs to be discipline. If they're harming harming others or bullying others, there needs to be discipline. That doesn't mean that you come and spank them. However God directs you to do. But can I tell you, you are responsible as a parent to put barrier, or to put boundaries on their life. Why? Because you don't want them growing up being an unruly child or an unruly adult. Can I ask you today? Do we have a lot of unruly adults in America? We as parents today is why the reason is is they didn't have someone that was shooting the arrow straight. Next one is being a parent over peer. Be a parent over peer. A person, a parent is a person, whether by birth or by law, has the legal and moral responsibility to care for the holistic welfare of their child. Today, if you are a parent, you have a job description in this simple little definition. God's given you a much bigger one. A peer is someone who is of the age group and is a friend. Probably the biggest alarm that I have noticed when I was a youth pastor and even today, that parents want to be liked by their child. They want to be the friend of their child. Can I tell you, that is a secondary calling. That is not even a calling as grave as a a parent. You have been given and entrusted the child in your life, the children in your life, to foster them, to reach their greatest potential, not to buddy up with them, not to be liked by them. Now, we all want to be liked, But can I tell you, you will stand before God as a response to not being their peer, but to being their parent. You are the parent that God gave your child. It was the combination of your DNA that produced your child. Your child was born. They were fashioned. They were shaped, personality, gender, eye color, likes, dislikes. And God decided to give you that child, not to be their peer and not to be their friend. Not even to be liked, but to discover their potential, their God-given potential, to discover what it is that God designs for their life, and to make sure you shoot that arrow straight. Okay. Peers are a dime a dozen, and today there's only one parent in your child's life. I realize that in my kids, someone else can take my spot in any other area but no one's ever going to be Trenton's dad. No one is ever going to be Sydney's dad. No one is ever going to be Trenton's mom, but Rhonda. No one's ever going to be Sydney's mom, but Rhonda. There's a responsibility that there could be friends that come and go in their lives, but there's never going to be a parent be, that's me because I am the parent. God gave you these children. He entrusted them to you, to the uniqueness of you. Can I tell you today that your child would not even be in existence If it was not the combination of you and your spouse. They were not just a random, oh, let's let the stork bring a child to your house. No, there's much more beyond, much more into it than that. You have a unique responsibility to parent your child. You are not called to be their friend. You are called to parent them. You are given the call to steward them, to instruct them, to guide them. You're saying, Pastor Kevin, this feels heavy. Can I tell you, the gravity of being a parent is a heavy responsibility. What a privilege. What a joy. What a reward. But what a task. You're responsible not just to steward. You are going to stand responsible before God. That He gave you these children, this child, this opportunity, and how did you steward that opportunity? And one that's of equal gravity is this, you're responsible to your child's future and their abilities and who they're meant to be. Parents today, yes, what a dynamic task, but what a privilege, what an opportunity that you get to pour your life into something that's not just this momentary thing, but it's going to impact generations. Generations. Many times we're trying to save the White House, and we're trying to change the White House, and we're trying to get everything fixed in politics. But can I tell you, if we would focus inside our house, our children would change our societies. Yeah. Last one, training over telling. See your children not as, as they are, but what they can be. Anybody ever struggle with ch- seeing your child at what they can be? We get so close in the middle of everything and we get overwhelmed with what they are. Can I tell you one of the greatest things that we need to come back to is saying, God, our, our, our need as a parent is to get on our knees on a regular basis to say, God, how do I parent my child? How do I parent my child? How do I pour into my child? And can I tell you this? Every child is different if you're not aware of that. And your parenting structure and plans can have a generic... Likeness, but there has to be a definite uniqueness because your child is unique. How many have discovered that? If you try to plant the same expectations, now expectation is good, but if you try to plant the same maneuvering on every child, you're going to have a problem. Training is teaching and developing, passing on skills and knowledge, developing competencies and capabilities and capacity and productivity. Telling is an order or a command. Now, there's opportunities that you're going to order, that you're going to command, don't go in the street. But hopefully, there's going to be a training behind why you're telling them not to go in the street. That, honey, if you go into the street and a car's coming, I'm telling you this because I love you. If you go into the street and a car's coming, that piece of metal that's driving really fast, they may not be able to stop, and they're going to hit you, and they're going to hurt you really bad. I'm telling them, but I'm training them. And we have this privilege to train. We have this responsibility to train. One author said this, "'Children are not things to be molded, "'but are people to be unfolded.'" I wrestled with this for a while going, "'No, we're molding them.'" Can I tell you this? This is where I've settled and I may be wrong and I don't wanna go to one extreme or the other. God has already molded them in His image. It's your job and my job to unfold that image. It's your job and my job to go, how do we discover this? How do we develop this? How do we make this origami thing that makes it look something useful rather than a crumpled up piece of paper? Deuteronomy chapter six says this, these commandments that I give you today are are to be upon your hearts, impress them. Everyone say impress. The actual Hebrew word here means to imprint. Make, make a, a stamp, an imprint in their life. The fingerprint of God, the image of God. When we see that, when we talk about being created in the image of God, that's actually the fingerprints of God on our lives. That's where he's coming and he's molding us and we're in his image. We have his fingerprint on his lives and on our lives. And that's why this Moses, as he's writing, he says, impress them, imprint them on your kid's life. Talk about them. Uh, When you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up, basically talk about them all the time. Impress them all the time. Be a broken record. Communicate, communicate, communicate. Give the reason why. Give give, Give the telling, but go, why am I telling you this? How do we train them? Train them to love God. Train them to love God. Train them to love God, most important thing. Can I tell you this? You can bring them to church every single Sunday. You can be faithful to church every single Sunday. But the great, best training ground is your home. Do your kids see you open your Bible? Do your kids actually see and hear you pray? Do your kids experience that you have memorized a verse of scripture and you can quote it? Do your kids see you serving in church? Do your kids see you giving financially? Teach your children to love God. Teach your children to love church. Teach your children to love the body of Christ. Train them to love themselves. Probably if Rhonda and I were to look back at our lives, one of the things we did not do a good job at teaching our kid was to love themselves because we struggled loving ourselves. We struggle with our own self-talk, so how do you train your own child to have positive self-talk? We had problems with our own self-respect, so how do you teach a child to have self-respect? That's not to go, oh, poor me or poor my children. That's to step back and go, no, that's honest assessment to go, no. So now how, as parents of adults, how do we speak into that in their lives? Train them to respect others. I wouldn't say respect others. In a culture of the day that doesn't respect anybody, can I tell you what's going to set us apart as believers in Christ Jesus is that we learn to respect others. Teach them manners. Teach them kindness. Not just be right behavior, but why do we do what we do? Teach them the value of humanity. Teach them to honor. Teach them to give grace. Lastly, train them to be the best them. Don't be guilty of comparing them to someone else and hearing the comparison. Don't be guilty to go, I wish you were like my, I wish you were like your sister. Guilty. I grew up going, I wish you were like, or you should have, well, you're not like. Can I tell you that creates scars? Not only does it create scars, you're striving to be something you're not. Can I tell you today, God's desire for your child is that they be the best them that they possibly can be. Not the best you in them, not the best somebody else, but the best uniqueness in them and their skills and their gifts and their abilities and their ability to love. Parents, what a privilege, what an honor. As I close today, Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25. Shifted my whole conclusion this morning as I was thinking, I want you to hear this verse. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many. Come and share your master's happiness. Slight rabbit trail here. I got, put you in charge of many. I'm like, going, God, I'm good with two. I don't want many. But I realized as I began to see this, obviously this is God speaking to people that are serving in the church, but I also believe this is God speaking to you as a parent. Some of you today, all of you need a day to hear this. If you're parenting and you feel like a failure, if you're parenting and you've made mistakes, Welcome to the club of parenting. I can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, the voice of God saying, well done. Thank you for being faithful. In this passage of scripture, it's not the story above it is pointing out what was wrong, but the Master is not coming and going, you didn't do this and this and this. He's going, thank you for being faithful. And can I tell you the context of this faithfulness and how I hear it as a parent, is thank you for being faithful to what you know. Can I tell you that as a parent, I know I'm gonna stand before God on Judgment Day, but he's gonna be filled with grace upon what I knew and what I didn't know. You may be saying, Pastor Kevin, I didn't know this. I didn't know, I didn't know how. Can I tell you, God's gonna go, thank you for being faithful to what you know. Thank you for being faithful to what you know. Today, as you leave this place, you know more. Do you hear me? You know more. You have a responsibility that's more. And that's not demand to go, I'm going to go fail. It's going, God, help me to be. And the master comes and says, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. And then this last part share your master's happiness. Can I tell you today? As I look at my son, we look at our daughter, and we are filled with joy. And happiness, it's not just our happiness. Can I tell you, it's God's happiness. We're sharing in his joy to go, God, here we've done this, and he's going. Parents, what a privilege, what a responsibility, what a challenge, what a chore. But can I tell you, there is no greater happiness than feeling the pleasure of your God as you look at your children. I look across this room and I see parents that have raised their children faithfully to what they knew was right. And what they didn't know right, that's where you see the alleys and you see the, the areas. But can I tell you, God Himself is looking down and he's going, share in my happiness of what you've done right? Share in my happiness. That doesn't mean stop trying. Yes, the season changed and I'm going long. The seasons change as you become a parent of an adult. But my heart's desire, my wife's desire is to applaud the target. We've invested too much. We've set the barrier, the boundaries too long and we're calling out the target, the potential, not for Kevin and Rhonda, but for the kingdom of God. Amen? Across this room, would you stand to your feet, parents, non-parents, whatever. Today you are here. Today you are here and you need to hear me this morning. God has chosen you. Say, I am chosen. chosen. God has chosen you to be the parent of your son and of your daughter. God has picked you. God has appointed you. Say, I am appointed. God has appointed. There's a choosing and there's an appointment. You are appointed to raise your child, whatever age that is. And can I tell you, not only are you chosen and are you appointed, you are anointed. Say, I am anointed. Come on, I am anointed. You are anointed by God for your children in your home. There is no other parent that can do it like God called you to do it. And God, in the name of Jesus, as I reach my hands across this congregation to those who feel like they're a success, to those who feel like they're a failure, to those who are able to see and go, I did good and I did wrong, to those that might feel condemnation, in the name of Jesus Christ, I declare from heaven today, you are chosen, you are appointed, and you are anointed. You have been called for such a task and time as this. God, today, help us to aim the arrows. Help us to prepare the arrows and to aim the arrows. And God, give us wisdom on how to release the arrows. God, today I just feel quick to pray over those that have children that are not serving the Lord. Today, if you would be bold enough to raise your hand across this room to say, I have a child that has walked away from the Lord. No condemnation upon you, but I want to pray for them. God knows them. Across this room, if you have a child that has walked away from the Lord, raise your hand high. God, in the name of Jesus, you know these children. God, they have been raised. God, we don't, I, I don't know today how they've been raised, but God, I know that there's been, been right things that have been done. And God, today, you love those children. You love that child as individuals. And God, in the name of Jesus Christ, we call them back to your kingdom. God, maybe they've never encountered you. Maybe they were was a part, different part of our life where we didn't even raise them right. But God, in the name of Jesus Christ, you know them, you love them. You know their phone number, you know their address. God, I pray that you'd show up in their dreams, that the Holy Spirit would bring conviction. God, that you would restore relationship in the name of Jesus Christ. And God, from this point forward in this room to every parent, may we begin to take the right steps. May we begin to apply what we know and be faithful in what we know. And God, I thank you today. I thank you today. Bless your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Our prayer team's coming. I apologize for going long. Those of you that have to run to the other campus because of servicing, services and stuff, thank you for coming. See you next Sunday. We're going to finish up the series next Sunday. God bless you. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God, relate to one another, and reach our world this single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.